Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking, where I will be talking with Liz Masseth, clinical lead for the lactation team at Akron Children's Hospital. This episode is sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. I would like to welcome Liz Masseth to the show today. B-S-N-R-N-I-B-C-L-C is the clinical lead for the lactation team at Akron Children's Hospital. Liz has been a nurse for 41 years working in obstetrics, labor delivery, postpartum and specials care, the NICU, and perinatal pediatric home care. She's been an internationally board-certified lactation consultant since 1994. Liz had opened the lactation program at the Cleveland Clinic until its closing in 2005. She presently works in maternal fetal medicine, fetal care center, and NICU, seeing outpatient and inpatient clients with lactation issues, education, and support. She chairs the Greater Akron Community Breastfeeding Coalition and Breastfeeding Quality Improvement Project and is seen as the clinical expert for Telio Breastfeeding Core Competencies. She is the former president of the Ohio Lactation Consultants Association. She presently serves with the United States Lactation Consultants Association and the International Lactation Consultants Association. She's presented poster presentations at the United States Breastfeeding Committee meetings in Washington, D.C. and the Ohio Lactation Consultants Association. So I wanted to get someone with more experience in this area, but I guess you'll have to do. Yeah. (laughs) Miriam, you know what? Thanks so much for allowing me to come up and speak with everybody today. I'm so grateful. I'm very happy to have you. I think it's a, a subject that is obviously super important. There are so many things about it, you know, and I think that, I don't know, I think a lot of people, a lot of women maybe I think hopefully now that's changing. They're more comfortable talking about it, but I still think there's probably some taboo to it, right? You know what? There is a lot of misinformation out there regarding breastfeeding and breast pumping and giving milk to your baby. There's all sorts of information out there that describes like the how-tos, and some of that information is older. A lot of our families are looking towards their moms and our grandmothers in order to assist them. And a lot of the information of today has changed, uh, such as, oh, yeah, go ahead. It's summertime and give your baby water to drink. Well, we no longer encourage that you have to do that because human milk actually contains mostly water. So moms don't have to do that so you anymore. Don't, so just skip the water. Skip until the water. Until like what age? Oh, until the baby's maybe one. Oh, okay. So no water. Even though you, you would think, of course, well, it's hot, it's summer, you know, we're outside, but they don't need it. Nope. Especially if the moms are providing okay. breast milk for their babies. Okay. And, you know, either the breast milk um, and or their foods that they're getting, especially after six months of age when foods are introduced, that's the perfect time. There's so all sorts of water in there as well. True. That's a good point. Okay. Um, so what are like the latest stats on on breastfeeding on nursing? Well, you know, the United States actually keeps something called the Center for Disease Control 2018 Breastfeeding Report Card. And that looks to see about all of the information throughout the whole U.S. about how much uh, breastfeeding is actually going on, both when moms immediately after delivery also is also looked at at three months, six months, and at a year. And funny that you should mention that. Our Ohio CDC breastfeeding report card, this is the 2018 data. I just wanted to make sure. So our initiation rate is just about where we should be, which is with the Healthy People 2020, which is 81.9%. At six months of age, 
it's 53.1%, and breastfeeding at uh, 12 months of age is 30.7%. Now, the piece that we find that's most interesting is the use of infant formulas early into that onset. Uh, now we're finding that exclusivity for those babies that are breastfed at around three months of age, that's 44.4%. And breastfeeding at exclusivity at six months of age, it drops down to 23.7%. And at one month, and then again, the, the infant formula is usually used, what they see at by two days of age, 12.6% of those babies are receiving infant formula. So the initiation and the thought that babies are not getting enough to eat still is maintained from back when I delivered my kids back in the 80s all the way up to what we're experiencing with moms now. Yeah, I had my oldest daughter is almost 16 now, but I remember saying the the, um, pediatrician said she's not getting enough because she's not, and I was nursing her exclusively, but like she was... She was small and she was not growing as quickly enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, she was on the low, but she was fine. I mean, she was healthy. She just wasn't gaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they said, you know, supplement some, you know, infant formula to, and I, I of course, didn't know anything. So. Right. And so, you know, what I'm trying to teach our pediatricians of today, so I get to do a lot of education and discussion with many of our pediatric residents since we're a freestanding pediatric facility. And then also our pediatricians is that instead of giving infant formula, would you consider having the mom pump and express her milk in order to give that as a supplement to the baby? Right. And many of our pediatricians are going, oh, my goodness, I didn't even think about that, that that's another potential rather than doing the infant formula automatically and or a referral to a lactation consultant so that they're able to look at the whole picture of both mom and baby to see exactly what the issues were as to why is that baby not gaining weight well. Right. So maybe just try some other avenues first. Before formula. Before formula. And Mm -hmm. I guess to say, too, like, if you've tried those other avenues or if if those aren't going to work, I mean, the mom shouldn't feel, like, guilty or that the baby's not going to be healthy. You know what I mean? Right. My goal. there are other options. Exactly. My goal as their lactation consultant is to feed their baby. Right. Most important. How we do that, you know, we will talk about that because it's the mom's decision. We educate her on that decision. She makes the decision, and then we support her in that decision. Right, right. And obviously Mm -hmm. we know the benefits of the breast milk, you know, for sure. And you're going to talk about some of those. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there are certain situations where it's not possible you know, so so the baby, it doesn't, I don't want someone to think, you know, my baby's going to be, you know, ruined for life. Um, that's not it. You know, that's not the case. But there are a lot of benefits, obviously. Oh, certainly. You know, there was, there's a lot of study out there regarding the use of human milk for the term baby and what it can do long term. It looks at higher IQ scores. It's looking at moms who, and again, it's dose dependent, so that the longer that the mother breastfeeds for or provides breast milk for, the better the outcome. Some of the interesting information that we have now is that within 24 hours of whatever mom is exposed to, she has the capability to make those antibodies, those things for the baby to help fight off infection, within 24 hours. 
pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, really Even is. when mom and baby are in something called kangaroo care or skin to skin, we see the same thing. There's special cells actually located between the valley of the breast when mom and baby are placed in kangaroo care or skin to skin that mom again will begin to make the immunoglobulins or those special cells to help fight off infection. You know, we're also looking at IQ scores are seven to 10 points higher. We also see that uh, within our term babies that, you know, muscle development, cognition, um, all those types of things that we're starting to see. And that's because breastfeeding is also relational. You know, making sure that you're able to provide milk for your baby. It's about interacting with your baby. It's about, you know, placing, you know, your baby's hand against your skin, touch, all the senses that we as mothers use, babies pick up on. Yeah, I think, and and yeah, it's pretty cool. Just when you're talking about that, I'm like, wow, just, you know, again, the human body is it's so amazing. It's so amazing. You know, it's yes, so amazing. Absolutely. That's what I was thinking of when you were, when you were saying those things, just it's amazing. Um, and I think like, you know, unfortunately, I think the United States probably, you know, as we know, compared to some other countries, mm-hmm. as far as working women and the, the leave and the, all that. So I think with some women, if they have to go back to work sooner than, you know, maybe some others or whatever the situation may be, it's harder, obviously. You know, you're trying to go in, you know, somewhere and pump or, you know, whatever it may be, or just some of that that touching time and, and things like that. So um, there are ways, you know, around it. But it some some places, depending on where you work and stuff, doesn't it's not they don't make it that easy. <laughs> so many of our moms are against barriers and obstacles all the time. Um, with working in the outpatient setting as well as in the NICU, we find that our mothers are actually going back to work a lot sooner than what we originally had thought or needed them to, especially our moms who are perhaps lower income. And those moms are the ones that we and desire for those mothers to nurse even longer. So these moms have nowhere to pump. Even though from a national perspective, there is a law that states that there's a break time for nursing moms, but these moms have to be able to pump, usually in a bathroom. Right, right. You're like, what? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Exactly. Why is there not a space for them? And I'm talking, you know, I don't want to give any particular entities because that's not fair, but maybe presenting information to those entities that could say, hey, by the way, you need just a room with a sink and a private place that mom would be able to go ahead and express her milk for her baby. Because usually those moms are working maybe a four, six, or eight-hour shift. And those moms, when they're separated from their babies long enough, and if they're not pumping frequently enough, their milk supply actually will decrease. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have anywhere to store unless she has a little ice pack or something like that that she's able to store her milk in. So, you know, we have moms that don't have the ability by which to pump frequently enough a safe, clean area, and then anywhere for storage. It, it just is not really conducive for her to extend her breastfeeding relationship right? and or provision of human milk. So sometimes maybe they have to end it sooner than they maybe would have wanted because of those things like that. It just becomes next to impossible for Correct. some. Correct, right, yeah. it, definitely. Even our moms that are professionals, even our teachers, yeah. you know, they have a very difficult time trying to figure out how am I supposed to be able to pump, pump at least every three hours, and I have patients to see, patients to, or sorry, students to see, students to counsel, um, you know, support, do things outside, you know, those types of things. I find for, and then the other piece that I find for many of our teachers is that there's nowhere private for them to pump. 
Right. Right. You're not going to be in the teacher's lounge, you know. Nope. Excuse me. <laughs> or the nurse's office. Yeah, Sometimes the we have to use office. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. So, right. All those things that a lot of places, I still feel like we're behind kind of where we need to be in, in those kind of areas, some places. Not not every workplace, but a lot right. of places. And then, you know, behind the times. I think moms, too, also, there's a genera- generational perspective that moms of my age group, who have kids who are now having babies, so grandmothers, we oftentimes will find that for this set of mo- grandmas, moms, that the information that they had way back when is not the same information that we have now. And so they're saying, oh, no, I was able to do this when you were born, so it should be okay. And in all actuality, the education is not so. You know, like the back to sleep, let's do that piece. You know, the ABCs of back to sleep, make sure that there's nothing in the baby's crib, the baby's on its back, and so forth. You know, back in the days when we had our kids, we had bumper pads, pretty things, right. and all those types of things. And that is not what we're encouraging for this day and time with the with our families. Right. But sometimes probably moms or grandmas are like, oh, they're they're that's silly. They're going to be fine. You, right. We did that with you, and you were fine. And you were fine. That kind exactly. of thing. And they think you're just being ridiculous. Exactly. You know. And so yeah, yeah, there's maybe that pressure, that judgment there, where right. well, no, I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but it's just the research is out there now. Right. That wasn't available then. Right. And, it, you know, it, it's just come across the, in fact, we're teaching grandmother classes um, so that grandmas, when they come in, especially in my office, that I'm able to share with them and say, you know what, what we did back then is what we knew back then. But there's so many things different now. Like um, back in the 1980s when my children were born, that's when we had babies would breastfeed every two, three, four, five hours, whatever the case may be. Now, the information and the research shows us that moms should be nursing their babies and what they babies need every hour and a half to every three because babies don't know how to tell time right. at a clock. Right. They yeah. just know that and they that's need what to I did. eat. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, that's your job. Right. That's your full-time job. As a like, new mom? That is all you're doing. <laughs> that is, like, pretty much all you're doing. You feel like as soon as you just you feed the baby, then you're like, oh, okay, I have to. they need to start the process again in, like, 20 minutes. You know, so it is. Mm-hmm. It is um, basically your full-time job at first. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, until that time. You know, then then the time stretches out, you know. Right, as they Um, get bigger, they're able to sleep a little bit longer. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's a whole big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. We'll come back. I'm continuing talking with Liz. For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. Discover the many ways we are reimagining school at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. All right, and we are back um, with Liz Masseth, and we are talking about nursing, breastfeeding, and just even some other things. And you mentioned the gram- grandparents' class, the grandmother's class. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? And mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool idea. I've never heard of that. But what a great idea in many ways, just so like we said, they can realize 
you know, the research, things are different. And so they don't have to say, well, we didn't do it that way, you know, and you were fine. And also just to get them involved too. Like, that's just really great because a lot of them will probably be helping to care for babies. Exactly. And so kind of a refresher too. I mean, because even... I know I don't remember half the stuff. So, you know, someday when I'm a grandma, you know, you really don't remember and things change. So I think that's a really neat thing. In order to really reach out to the grandmothers of today because they feel what they were doing was okay. Now, when we teach them in the breastfeeding grandparents class, you know, breast milk storage guidelines, how you warm breast milk. You know, I always tell, talk to my families about we swirl breast milk. We don't shake it. It's not a milkshake. So when parents and grandparents are... You know, um, feeding their babies when mom and baby are separated for whatever reason. I talk a lot about the importance of being a grandmother in this day and age and what a great support you can be for your daughter or daughter-in-law, how how best in order to help with that. Uh, Children's actually did a series on being a grandmother where, you know, the new things of today. We had a pediatrician, a nutritional therapist, safe sleep, and myself, and it was really well-received. And part of that is, is that grandparents of today just knew information. You know, we didn't have it again back then, but we do have it today. So let me share that with you. I really like that. I think that, I think it's just a great idea for so many, for so many ways. I really, really like that. And like I said, just a great way to be involved and to learn what's new and that things are different. It doesn't mean they were wrong. It's just different. We know more. We know you know, more now. Grand, grandmothers of today, grandparents of today, uh, I invite them to my mom's group that I uh, have every Wednesday from 11 to 12:30, and my grandmothers actually get to listen to what the moms, what their focus is. And many of the grandmothers have come back to me and said, "You know what, Liz? I never realized that there wasn't somewhere I could ask these questions safely and not be judged." And that was a very surprising comment for yeah. many of my grandmothers. That's really great that they, they have questions, but mm-hmm. yeah, or maybe they think they should, they feel like they should know everything, you know, because right. they've been through it, but they don't. So right. they have that space to do that. It's That's not really the way cool. that you did it was wrong. Right. It was what we knew then. What we knew then, and mm-hmm. now we know differently or more. So yeah. yeah. What are some common problems that moms uh, may have and how can they overcome those? So when moms will always call me usually within first one to three days after delivery. Help. And they're exactly, I need some help. I don't know uh-huh. what to do. I find that my moms will end up with something like severe engorgement. That means the breast is very full, not necessarily of milk, but of the fluid. Many of our mothers are um, receiving excessive fluid, uh, either with their delivery or after delivery. Uh, and what we find is that a lot of that fluid will end up either in their hands, face, legs, ankles, or in their breast tissue as well. So engorgement makes breastfeeding difficult. The breast gets so full of fluid that the babies are not able to latch on well. So I teach moms. There's a wonderful website, uh, and I I would love to be able, Dr. Ann Witt at Breastfeeding Medicine of Northeast Ohio, and her and the team up there had actually placed together a hand massage video that I encourage moms to look at. It's You just use olive oil and very soft touch. I refer a lot of my patients to that particular website to see it. And what it helps to do is it helps to relieve a lot of that fluid. Pumping actually doesn't help very much. Often, we, if, with the use of this particular aspect, we find that for many of our moms, that usually helps to relieve a lot of that fluid. 
Um, nipple soreness, tenderness, breaking down, cracking, bleeding, blistered. Um, and if you have a mom who's hepatitis C positive, which is contraindicated while the nipples are bleeding, then that's another course that we have to teach that mom what to do. Because we have a lot of our moms that um, are often hepatitis C positive, and we teach them what to do in the meantime. If we have moms who have a history of a baby who's not drinking well and not gaining weight well, you know, what are the types of supports that are available? Like your hospital-based lactation consultant, perhaps a mother's group that you'd be able to be seen. And or because there's not there's no uh, here in the Akron area, uh, there's no resources available for many of our families that somebody can go into the home. Mostly our families have to come into to the hospital in order to, to have some assistance and or the mom's group. OK. And I would imagine you would say, um, you know, rather than turning to, you know, Dr. Google. Right. Because, you know, there's just so much stuff out there and some of it's probably good and helpful. But, you know, and, and everybody's so specific, probably that it would just be so much better to just contact, you know, you will contact a lactation consultant. Correct. Just go straight to the source rather than trying a bunch of things that may or may not work. Right. And there's a lot of things being sold on the Internet that will be able to supposedly help you. Um, different types of nipple creams, dipple t- different types of this, different types of herbals that will be able to help increase your milk supply because many moms believe that their milk supply is low and they're not sure what they need to do. So they'll look up on Dr. Google, right. oh, herbs such and such is available at such and such a site and that they would be able to go ahead and take that herb and everything will be fine. <laughs> Here's the thing about the herbs. None of it's been researched. Right. So except for maybe two, and then not in large quantities in the number of women that were needed. So it's not something that we at Children's actually encourage the use of herbals. Uh, another thing that we find is slow waking. That's probably one of the number one visits that I see. And so how do I help mom in order to increase milk supply? What's the plan that we put together and then follow up afterwards? Um, so those are some of the issues that most moms, not all, but most moms. What about have. like the baby? I remember this, like just will not wake up. Like so, seems like so tight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like they just want to sleep. <laughs> so there are varying waking techniques. You know, a lot of people will put the cold washcloth yeah. on the baby thinking, but that actually acts differently than what, what most moms and dads think. And what the cold washcloth does actually is that it decreases and places baby right into like a stressor mode and baby shuts down. So warm so washcloth. You no, know, no, it's not wrong. But <laughs> this again, is what we were told, yeah. You were told yeah, at that time. So what we encourage is a warm washcloth, skin to skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certain waking techniques. I call them baby sit-ups, where baby would sit here on your chest, and you as mom or daddy would be able to go ahead and kiss your baby on the cheeks to try to get the baby to start rooting a little bit. You know, it depends upon the gestational age of your baby when your baby was delivered. If your baby was delivered at 37 weeks or below, those babies are sleepier. They look like they're doing a good job, but they're not really. And those would be the babies that we find that have the issues with slow weight gain, inadequate intake, they're not peeing or pooping, you know, any of those types of things. All right. So your your support group, is that something where you have a lot of moms that come like throughout the whole time or just if they're having trouble or what, who usually comes to that? So the mother's support group meets every Wednesday from 11 to 1230. It's been going on for 12 years at Akron Children's. I started at Akron Children's 12 years ago. 
And so I have the availability of that time specific for moms to ask pertinent questions that they have on their heart or they have a friend and they invite friends. What I have found from the moms group is that they actually help build each other up. The average length of time that we have for our moms who breastfeed their babies in attendance, be it moms that can only come like on vacations, like if they're teachers or they work outside the home, or those moms that are able to come on a regular basis, we find that those moms are able to increase their length of breastfeeding from eight years, sorry, eight months to four years. And so we're that's support. And I, I'm there to support them, but it's the moms with moms helping them. They probably, some, I would imagine, some great you know, friendships, friendships and things have Actually, come Actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because the May issue of Northeast Ohio Parent, <laughs> two of my moms are actually on the cover. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so that's wonderful. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So they build these relationships, parenting relationships, because you're in the same season of life. And you really need resources, friends, to really understand what you're walking through. Your single friends are not at the same point. But your parent friends know exactly what you're walking through and how to help you and best support you. The other thing that I found is that we recently had one of my uh, patients had surgery. The mom's group came to her help with babysitting, Mm. food, like a wagon train type of thing, just absolutely wonderful. And they've built these long-term friendships from very from the very beginning, 12 years ago, up until the point That's of today. That's cool. That's so good. And just to, like in anything, when you realize you're not the only one going mm-hmm. through something, you know, and like in some of it, you may, sometimes those questions like this, even though you shouldn't, you feel embarrassed to ask or whatever. So in that situation. This is the perfect, great, perfect, safe setting. place. Yeah. And like you said, you know, we've had dads that have come in. We have grandparents. We strongly encourage grandmothers to come in if they want to come in with their daughters or daughter-in-laws. It's just a very safe place that mothers are able to go ahead, express what they're feeling, what they're walking through. Some of the journeys, some of the journeys that these mothers have had have not been very easy, but they've continued on. And it might not be exclusive. It might be a combination of breast milk and formula. That's okay. Sure. Just a place where moms are able to come in. And that's why we called it from the breastfeeding support group to mom's group, because any mom is able to come. That's good. I like that. What about, um, how do you feel about, is there a certain time, a length you think someone should breastfeed their baby? Like stop at a certain age or is it kind of whatever you feel is best for your baby? Or what do you think? So benefits after a certain age or? Well, when moms actually will ask me that. I always refer back to the American Academy of Pediatrics. And their recommendation is that the baby should be exclusively breastfed, if at all possible, for the first six months of the baby's life. After that, then, will be the addition of food for practice. So again, then, for the first year of the baby's life until mutually desired by either mom or baby. Okay, so if they want to do it longer and they're both fine with it, Fine. Absolutely. There's still benefits to Absolutely. be had. But. Yes, the toddler milk is a different composition than what the newborn milk is. And okay. so we find that it's higher in those cells that fight off infection, higher fat, proteins, those types of things in order to help the toddler grow and gain. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. And so probably like socially, I think it's still probably... Do you think there's still a little stigma with that socially? From a long-term, you mean yeah, older long, breastfeeding? Yes. Yes. Normally what the moms will do is, I, again, I'm their safe person, so they will tell me that they're breastfeeding their older child. Oh, but it's or a secret? Teen, but like it's, it's a, a secret. secret. <laughs> okay. But And they may not let the pediatrician know. Oh, um, okay. 
But I said, Would they feel judged from the pediatrician or? For some moms, they do feel judged. And for other moms, they're just saying, you know what, I don't, I want to be able to do this. And, you know, I counsel them if they're going to do something called tandem nursing. They want to nurse their newborn as well as their toddler. The baby, the newborn needs the milk first. And then the toddler. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Okay, right. Mm Mm-hmm. Then yeah, the toddler would be able to go ahead and okay. nurse Interesting afterwards. that they have to do that in secret, kind of, a lot of I, women, yeah. Right. Some of them are very open. Sure. They're, those would be the same moms that would be able to nurse in public with no problem. Sure. But other moms don't feel as comfortable, yeah. and those would be the same moms that would just want yeah. to share and, this and between. And actually, it's a private, personal choice. It it's is It's not quite. really like you have to share that business with everybody so you know yeah you have to do what Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with yeah anything else that you would like to share anything you know kind of like parting best words of wisdom or you know to do your best takeaways or anything I wanted to make sure that all moms know that to receive the education and information regarding the benefits of human milk for their baby and you know we didn't even look at the benefits for mom Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, Mom, I wanted to let you know, you always hear about the good things for your baby. But, Mom, what about you? Did you know that as a mother who desires to breastfeed, so dose-dependent, the longer you do it, the better, that we encourage our moms to think about it for these many reasons. They're finding now that it decreases the chances of type 2 diabetes as you grow older. Your blood pressure would be better. Your cholesterol levels would be better. They're finding that mom's bone density is three to four times stronger than what it would be if moms did not breastfeed. They're also looking now at certain types of cancers, ovarian, breast, cervical. These are the types of things that the research is really starting to ramp up on. Mm, Yeah, that's a good, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, right, we focus on baby, Often for the baby, right, right. which is why you do it. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. not doing it, but, but. It has that extra benefit. Exactly. And in closing, I'm thinking that for moms to make that decision, get information. We we have a wonderful Summit County Health Department in WIC is absolutely wonderful if you live in Summit County. I'm, you know, I'm asking that moms get the information from there. Get it from your local lactation consultant. Get the information that you need. Make an educated choice. And let us help you in order to succeed to whatever your goal is going to be for your breastfeeding relationship with your baby. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here. How can listeners contact you if they're like, hey, we want to come to that group. We want sure. to, you to be our consultant. You know, how can they So get my phone you? number at Akron Children's is 330-543-4531. And the general phone number for maternal fetal medicine, because I'm not often in my office, that number is 330-543-4531. And anyone can come to the mom's group. Anybody. It's free. It's like a pop-in. They don't have to commit to, you know, a three-month thing or whatever. Yes, by no means. Yes, we just love to have you there to talk, to, you know, to share what's going on in your life regarding your parenting and breastfeeding relationship and or feeding relationship. There's a lot that goes on. Right. All right. Well, that sounds great. I didn't have that available. I had some services available to me, but not like the the mom's group kind of thing. I think I would have taken advantage of that. So it sounds like a great, and the grandparents. Yes. The grandparents group as well. Sound Both sound really great. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Really appreciate it. This episode has been sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Discover more at lawrenceschool.org. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. 
Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.